Part two of the Willow Walk by Sinclair Lewis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perard. Part two. John Holt, twin brother of Jasper Holt, the bank teller, rubbed his eyes as though he had for hours been absorbed in study and crawled through the living room, through the tiny hall to the front door. He opened it, picked up a couple of circulars that the postman had dropped through the letter slot in the door, went out and locked the door behind him. He was facing a narrow front yard, neater than the willow walk at the back, on a suburban street more populous than the straggly back lane. A street arc illuminated the yard and showed that a card was tacked on the door. John touched the card, snapped it with a nail of his finger to make sure it was securely tacked in that light he could not read it but he knew that it was inscribed in a small finicky hand agents kindly do not disturb bell will not be answered occupant of the house engaged in literary work john stood on the doorstep until he made out his neighbor on the right a large stolid commuter who was walking before his house smoking an after-dinner cigar john poked to the fence and sniffed at a spray of lilac blossoms till the neighbor called over nice evening yes it seems to be pleasant john's voice was like jasper's but it was more guttural and his speech had less assurance how's the story going it is it is very difficult so hard to comprehend all the inner meanings of the prophecies well i must be hastening to soul hope hall i trust we will see you there some wednesday or sunday evening i bid you good night sir john wavered down the street to the drug store he purchased a bottle of ink in a grocery that kept open evenings he got two pounds of cornmeal two pounds of flour a pound of bacon a half pound of butter six eggs and a can of condensed milk shall we deliver them asked the clerk john looked at him sharply he realized that this was a new man who did not know his customs he said rebukingly no i always carry my parcels i am writing a book i am never to be disturbed he paid for the provisions out of a postal money order for thirty-five dollars and received the change the cashier of the store was accustomed to cashing these money orders which were always sent to john from south vernon by one r j smith john took the bundle of food and walked out of the store that fellow's kind of a nut isn't he asked the new clerk the cashier explained yep doesn't even take fresh milk uses condensed for everything what do you think of that and they say he burns up all his garbage never has anything in the ash can except ashes if you knock at his door he never answers it fellow told me all the time writing this book of his religious crank i guess has a little income though guess his folks were pretty well fixed comes out once in a while in the evening and pokes round town we used to laugh about him but we've kind of got used to him been here about a year i guess it is john was serenely passing down the main street of rosebank at the dingier end of it he turned in at a hallway marked by a lighted sign announcing in crude house painter's letters soul hope fraternity hall experience meeting all welcome it was eight o'clock the members of the soul hope cult had gathered in their hall above a bakery theirs was a tiny tight-minded sect 
they asserted that they alone obeyed the scriptural tenets that they alone were certain to be saved that all other denominations were damned by unapostolic luxury that it was wicked to have organs or ministers or any meeting-places save plain halls the members themselves conducted the meetings one after another rising to give an interpretation of the scriptures or to rejoice in gathering with the faithful while the others commented with hallelujah and amen brother amen they were plainly dressed not overfed somewhat elderly and a rather happy congregation the most honored of them all was john holt john had come to rosebank only eleven months before he had bought the Beaudet house with the library of the recent occupant a retired clergyman and had paid for them in new one hundred dollar bills already he had a great credit in the sole hope cult it appeared that he spent almost all his time at home praying and reading and writing a book the sole hope fraternity was excited about the book they had begged him to read it to them so far he had only read a few pages consisting mostly of quotations from ancient treatises on the prophecies nearly every sunday and wednesday evening he appeared at the meeting and in a halting and scholarly way lectured on the world and the flesh to-night he spoke polysyllabically of the fact that one philo judaeus had been a mere sophist the cult were none too clear as to what either a philo judaeus or a sophist might be but with heads all nodding in a row they murmured you're right brother hallelujah john glided into a sad earnest discourse on his worldly brother jasper and informed them of his struggles with jasper's itch for money by his request the fraternity prayed for jasper the meeting was over at nine john shook hands all round with the elders of the congregation sighing fine meeting to-night wasn't it such a free outpouring of the spirit he welcomed a new member a servant girl just come from seattle carrying his groceries and the bottle of ink he poked down the stairs from the hall at seven minutes after nine at sixteen minutes after nine john was stripping off his brown wig and the funereal clothes in his bedroom at twenty-eight after john holt had become jasper holt the capable teller of the lumber national bank jasper holt left the light burning in his brother's bedroom he rushed downstairs tried the fastening on the front door bolted it made sure that all the windows were fastened picked up the bundle of groceries and the pile of candies that he had removed from the book-like candy boxes blew out the light in the living-room and ran down the willow walk to his car he threw the groceries and candy into it backed the car out as though he was accustomed to backing in this bough-scattered yard and drove along the lonely road at the rear when he was passing a swamp he reached down picked up the bundle of candies and steering with one hand removed the wrapping paper with the other hand and hurled out the candies they showered along the weeds beside the road the paper which had contained the candies and upon which was printed the name of the parthenon confectionery store jasper tucked into his pocket he took the groceries item by item from the labeled bag containing them thrust that bag also into his pocket and laid the groceries on the seat beside him on the way from rosebank to the centre of the city of vernon he again turned off the main avenue and halted 
at a goat-infested shack occupied by a crippled norwegian he sounded the horn the norwegian's grandson ran out here's a little more grub for you bawled jasper god bless you sir i don't know what we'd do if it wasn't for you cried the old norwegian from the door but jasper did not wait for gratitude he merely shouted bring you some more in a couple of days as he started away at a quarter past ten he drove up to the hall that housed the latest interest in vernon society the community theatre the boulevard set the best people in town belonged to the community theatre association and the leader of it was the daughter of the general manager of the railroad as a well-bred bachelor jasper holt was welcome among them despite the fact that no one knew much about him except that he was a good bank teller and had been born in england but as an actor he was not merely welcome he was the best amateur actor in vernon his placid face could narrow with tragic emotion or puff out with comedy his placid manner concealed a dynamo of emotion unlike most amateur actors he did not try to act he became the thing itself he forgot jasper holt and turned into a vagrant or a judge a bernard shaw thought a lord dunsany symbol a knoll coward man about town the other one-act plays of the next program of the community theatre had already been rehearsed the cast of the play in which jasper was to star were all waiting for him so were the ladies responsible for the staging they wanted his advice about the blue curtain for the stage window about the baby spot that was out of order about the higher interpretation of the role of the page in the piece a role consisting of only two lines but to be played by one of the most popular girls in the younger set after the discussions and a most violent quarrel between two members of the play reading committee the rehearsal was called jasper holt still wore his flannel suit and wilting carnation but he was not jasper he was the duc de san saba a cynical gracious gorgeous old man easy of gesture tranquil of voice shudderingly evil of desire if i could get a few more actors like you cried the professional coach the rehearsal was over at half-past eleven jasper drove his car to the public garage in which he kept it and walked home there he tore up and burned the wrapping paper bearing the name of the parthenon confectionery store and the labeled bag that had contained the groceries the community theatre plays were given on the following wednesday jasper holt was highly applauded and at the party at the lakeside country club after the play he danced with the prettiest girls in town he hadn't much to say to them but he danced fervently and about him was a halo of artistic success that night his brother john did not appear at the meeting of the sole hope fraternity out in rosebank on monday five days later while he was in conference with the president and the cashier of the lumber national bank jasper complained of a headache the next day he telephoned to the president that he would not come down to work he would stay home and rest his eyes sleep and get rid of the persistent headache that was unfortunate for that very day his twin brother made one of his frequent trips into vernon and called at the bank the president had seen john only once before and by a coincidence it had happened on this occasion also jasper had been absent had been out of town 
the president invited john into his private office your brother is at home poor fellow has a bad headache hope he gets over it we think a great deal of him here you ought to be proud of him will you have a smoke as he spoke the president looked john over once or twice when jasper and the president had been out at lunch jasper had spoken of the remarkable resemblance between himself and his twin brother but the president told himself that he didn't really see much resemblance the features of the two were alike but john's expression of chronic spiritual indigestion his unfriendly manner and his hair unkempt and lifeless brown where jasper's was sleekly black about a shiny bald spot made the president dislike john as much as he liked jasper and now john was replying no i do not smoke i can't understand how a man can soil the temple with drugs i suppose i ought to be glad to hear you praise poor jasper but i am more concerned with his lack of respect for the things of the spirit he sometimes comes to see me at rosebank and i argue with him but somehow i can't make him see his errors and his flippant ways we don't think he's flippant we think he's a pretty steady worker but he's play-acting and reading love stories well i try to keep in mind the injunction judge not that ye be not judged but i am pained to find my own brother giving up immortal promises for mortal amusements well i'll go and call on him i trust that some day we shall see you at soul hope hall in rosebank good day sir turning back to his work the president grumbled i am going to tell jasper that the best compliment i can hand him is that he is not like his brother and on the following day another wednesday when jasper reappeared at the bank the president did make this jesting comparison and jasper sighed oh john is really a good fellow but he's always gone in for metaphysics and oriental mysticism and lord knows what all till he's kind of lost in the fog but he's a lot better than i am when i murder my landlady or say when i rob the bank chief you go get john and i bet you the best lunch in town that he'll do his best to bring me to justice that's how square he is square yes corners just sticking out well when you do rob us jasper i'll look up john but do try to keep from robbing us as long as you can i hate to have to associate with a religious detective in a boiled shirt both men laughed and jasper went back to his cage his head continued to hurt he admitted the president advised him to lay off for a week he didn't want to he said with the new munition industries due to the war in europe there was much increase in factory payrolls and jasper took charge of them better take a week off than get ill argued the president late that afternoon jasper did let himself be persuaded to go away for at least a weekend he would run up north to wakeman lake the coming friday he said he would get some black bass fishing and be back on monday or tuesday before he went he would make up the payrolls for the saturday payments and turn them over to the other teller the president thanked him for his faithfulness and as was his not infrequent custom invited jasper to his house for the evening of the next day thursday that wednesday evening jasper's brother john appeared at the sole hope meeting in rosebank 
when he had gone home and magically turned back into jasper this jasper did not return the wig and garments of john to the bureau but packed them in a suitcase took the suitcase to his room in vernon and locked it in his wardrobe jasper was amiable at dinner at the president's house on thursday but he was rather silent and as his head still throbbed he left the house early at nine thirty sedately carrying his gray silk gloves in one hand and pompously swinging his stick with the other he walked from the president's house on the fashionable boulevard back to the center of vernon he entered the public garage in which he stored his car he commented to the night attendant headaches guess i'll take the bus out and get some fresh air he drove away at not more than fifteen miles an hour he headed south when he had reached the outskirts of the city he speeded up to a consistent twenty-five miles an hour he settled down in his seat with the unmoving steadiness of the long-distance driver his body quiet except for the tiny subtle movements of his foot on the accelerator of his hand on the steering wheel his right hand across the wheel holding it at the top his left elbow resting easily on the cushioned edge of his seat and his left hand merely touching the wheel he drove down in that southern direction for fifteen miles almost to the town of wanaguchi then by a rather poor side road he turned sharply to the north and west and making a huge circle about the city drove toward the town of st clair the suburb of rosebank in which his brother john lived is also north of vernon these directions were of some importance to him wanaguchi eighteen miles south of the mother city of vernon rosebank on the other hand eight miles north of vernon and st clair twenty miles north about as far north of vernon as wanaguchi is south on his way to st clair at a point that was only two miles from rosebank jasper ran the car off the main road into a grove of oaks and maples and stopped it on a long unused woodland road he stiffly got out and walked through the woods up a rise of ground to a cliff overlooking a swampy lake the gravelly farther bank of the cliff rose perpendicularly from the edge of the water in that wan light distilled by stars and the earth he made out the reedy expanse of the lake it was so muddy so tangled with sedge-grass that it was never used for swimming and as its inhabitants were only slimy bullheads few people ever tried to fish there jasper stood reflective he was remembering the story of the farmer's team which had run away dashed over this cliff and sunk out of sight in the mud bottom of the lake swishing his stick he outlined an imaginary road from the top of the cliff back to the sheltered place where his car was standing once he hacked away with a large pocket-knife a mass of knotted hazel bushes which blocked that projected road when he had traced the road to his car he smiled he walked to the edge of the woods and looked up and down the main highway a car was approaching he waited till it had passed ran back to his own car backed it out on the highway and went on his northward course toward st clair driving about thirty miles an hour on the edge of st clair he halted took out his kit of tools unscrewed a spark plug and sharply tapping the plug on the engine block deliberately cracked the porcelain jacket 
he screwed the plug in again and started the car it bucked and spit missing on one cylinder with the short-circuited plug i guess there must be something wrong with the ignition he said cheerfully he managed to run the car into a garage in st clair there was no one in the garage save an old negro the night washer who was busy over a limousine with sponge and hose got a night repair man here asked jasper no sir guess you'll have to leave it till morning hang it something gone wrong with the carburetor of the ignition well i'll have to leave it then tell him say will you be here in the morning when the repairman comes on yes sir well tell him i must have the car by tomorrow noon no say by tomorrow at nine now don't forget this will help your memory he gave a quarter to the negro who grinned and shouted yes sir that'll help my memory a lot as he tied a storage tag on the car the negro inquired name uh my name oh hansen remember now ready about nine tomorrow jasper walked to the railroad station it was ten minutes of one jasper did not ask the night operator about the next train into vernon apparently he knew that there was a train stopping here at st clair at one thirty seven he did not sit in the waiting-room but in the darkness outside on a truck behind the baggage-room when the train came in he slipped into the last seat of the last car and with his soft hat over his eyes either slept or appeared to sleep when he reached vernon he got off and came to the garage in which he regularly kept his car he stepped inside the night attendant was drowsing in a large wooden chair tilted back against the wall in the narrow runway which formed the entrance to the garage jasper jovially shouted to the attendant certainly ran into some hard luck ignition went wrong i guess it was that ignition had to leave the car down at wanaguchi hard luck all right assented the attendant yump so i left it at wanaguchi jasper emphasized as he passed on he had been inexact in this statement it was not at wanaguchi which is south but at st clair which is north that he had left his car he had returned to his boarding-house slept beautifully hummed in his morning shower bath yet at breakfast he complained of his continuous headache and announced that he was going up north to wakeman to get some bass fishing and rest his eyes his landlady urged him to go anything i can do to help you get away she queried no thanks i'm just taking a couple of suitcases with some old clothes and some fishing tackle fact i have em all packed already i'll probably take the noon train north if i can get away from the bank pretty busy now with these payrolls for the factories that have war contracts for the allies what's it say in the paper this morning jasper arrived at the bank carrying the two suitcases and a neat polite rolled silk umbrella the silver top of which was engraved with his name the doorman who was also the bank guard helped him to carry the suitcases inside careful of that bag got my fishing tackle in it said jasper to the doorman apropos of one of the suitcases which was heavy but apparently not packed full well i think i'll run up to wakeman to-day and catch a few bass wish i could go along sir how is the head this morning does it still ache asked the doorman rather better but my eyes still feel pretty rocky guess i've been using them too much 
say connors i'll try to catch the train north at eleven seven better have a taxicab here for me at eleven or no i'll let you know a little before eleven try to catch the eleven seven north for wakeman very well sir the president the cashier the chief clerk all asked jasper how he felt and to all of them he repeated the statement that he had been using his eyes too much and that he would catch a few bass at wakeman the other paying teller from his cage next to that of jasper called heartily through the steel netting pretty soft for some people you wait i'm going to have the hay fever this summer and i'll go fishing for a month jasper placed the two suitcases and the umbrella in his cage and leaving the other teller to pay out current money he himself made up the payrolls for the next day saturday he casually went into the vault a narrow unimpressive unaired cell with a hard linoleum floor one unshaded electric bulb and a back wall composed entirely of steel doors of safes all painted a sickly blue very unimpressive but guarding several millions of dollars in cash and securities the upper doors hung on large steel arms and each provided with two dials could be opened only by two officers of the bank each knowing one of the two combinations below these were smaller doors one of which jasper could open as teller it was the door of an insignificant steel box which contained one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars in bills and four thousand dollars in gold and silver jasper passed back and forth carrying bundles of currency in his cage he was working less than three feet from the other teller who was divided from him only by the bands of the steel netting while he worked he exchanged a few words with this other teller once as he counted out nineteen thousand dollars he commented big payroll for the henschel wagon works this week they're making gun carriages and truck bodies for the allies i understand uh-huh said the other teller not much interested mechanically unobtrusively going on about his ordinary routine of business jasper counted out bills to amounts agreeing with the items on a typed schedule of the payrolls apparently his eyes never lifted from his counting and from the type schedule which lay before him the bundles of bills he made into packages fastening each with a paper band each bundle he seemed to drop into a small black leather bag which he held beside him but he did not actually drop the money into these payroll bags both the suitcases at his feet were closed and presumably fastened but one was not fastened and though it was heavy it contained nothing but a lump of pig iron from time to time jasper's hand holding a bundle of bills dropped to his side with a slight movement of his foot he opened that suitcase and the bills slipped from his hand down into it the bottom part of the cage was a solid sheet of stamped steel and from the front of the bag no one could see this suspicious gesture the other teller could have seen it but jasper dropped the bills only when the other teller was busy talking to a customer or when his back was turned in order to delay for such a favorable moment jasper frequently counted packages of bills twice rubbing his eyes as though they hurt him 
after each of these secret disposals and packages of bills jasper made much of dropping into the payroll bags the rolls of coin for which the schedule called it was while he was tossing these blue-wrapped cylinders of coin into the bags that he would chat with the other teller then he would lock up the bags and gravely place them at one side jasper was so slow in making up the payrolls that it was five minutes of eleven before he finished he called the doorman to the cage and suggested better call my taxi now he still had one bag to fill he could plainly be seen dropping packages of money into it while he instructed the assistant teller i'll stick all the bags in my safe and you can transfer them to yours be sure to lock my safe lord i better hurry or i'll miss my train be back tuesday morning at latest so long take care of yourself he hastened to pile the payroll bags into his safe in the vault the safe was almost filled with them and except for the last one not one of the bags contained anything except a few rolls of coin though he had told the other teller to lock his safe he himself twirled the combination which was thoughtless of him as the assistant manager would now have to wait and get the president to unlock it he picked up his umbrella and two suitcases bending over one of the cases for not more than ten seconds waving good-bye to the cashier at his desk down front and hurrying so fast that the doorman did not have a chance to help him carry the suitcases he rushed through the bank through the door into the waiting taxicab and loudly enough for the doorman to hear he cried to the driver m and d station at the m and d railroad station refusing offers of redcaps to carry his bags he bought a ticket for wackerman which is a lake resort town one hundred and forty miles northwest of vernon hence one hundred and twenty beyond st clair he had just time to get aboard the eleven seven train he did not take a chair car but sat in a day coach near the rear door he unscrewed the silver top of his umbrella on which was engraved his name and dropped it into his pocket when the train reached st clair jasper strolled out to the vestibule carrying the suitcases but leaving the topless umbrella behind his face was blank uninterested as the train started he dropped down on the station platform and gravely walked away for a second the light of adventure crossed his face and vanished at the garage at which he had left his car on the evening before he asked the foreman did you get my car fixed mercury roadster ignition on the bum nope couple of jobs ahead of it haven't had time to touch it yet ought to get at it early this afternoon jasper curled his tongue round his lips in startled vexation he dropped his suitcases on the floor of the garage and stood thinking his bent forefinger against his lower lip then well i guess i can get her to go sorry can't wait got to make the next town he grumbled lot of you traveling salesmen making your territory my motor now mr hansen said the foreman civilly glancing at the storage check on jasper's car yep i can make a good many more than i could by train he paid for overnight storage without complaining though since his car had not been repaired this charge was unjust in fact he was altogether prosaic and inconspicuous he thrust the suitcases into the car and drove away the motor spinning at another garage he bought another spark plug and screwed it in when he went on the motor had ceased spitting 
he drove out of st clair back in the direction of vernon and of rosebank where his brother lived he ran the car into that thick grove of oaks and maples only two miles from rosebank where he had paced off an imaginary road to the cliff overhanging the reedy lake he parked his car in a grassy space beside the abandoned woodland road he laid a light robe over the suitcases from beneath the seat he took a can of deviled chicken a box of biscuits a canister of tea a folding cooking kit and a spirit lamp these he spread on the grass a picnic lunch he sat beside that lunch for seven minutes past one in the afternoon till dark once in a while he made a pretense of eating he fetched water from the brook made tea opened the box of biscuits and the can of chicken but mostly he sat still and smoked cigarette after cigarette once a swede taking this road as a shortcut to his truck farm passed by and mumbled picnic eh yeah taking the day off said jasper dully the man went on without looking back at dusk jasper finished a cigarette down to the tip crushed out the light and made the cryptic remark that's probably jasper holt's last smoke i don't suppose you can smoke john damn you he hid the two suitcases in the bushes piled the remains of the lunch into the car took down the top of the car and crept down to the main road no one was in sight he returned he snatched a hammer and a chisel from his tool kit and with a few savage cracks he so defaced the number of the car stamped on the engine block that it could not be made out he removed the license numbers from fore and aft and placed them beside the suitcases then when there was just enough light to see the bushes as cloudy masses he started the car drove through the woods and up the incline to the top of the cliff and halted leaving the engine running between the car and the edge of the cliff which overhung the lake there was a space of about one hundred and thirty feet fairly level and covered with straggly red clover jasper paced off this distance returned to the car took his seat in a nervous tentative way and put her into gear starting on second speed and slamming her into third the car bolted toward the edge of the cliff he instantly swung out on the running board standing there heading directly toward the sharp drop over the cliff steering with his left hand on the wheel he shoved the hand throttle up 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 with his right he safely leapt down from the running board of itself the car rushed forward roaring it shot over the edge of the cliff it soared twenty feet out into the air as though it were a thick-bodied aeroplane it turned over and over with a sickening drop toward the lake the water splashed up in a tremendous noisy circle then silence in the twilight the surface of the lake shone like milk there was no sign of the car on the surface the concentric rings died away the lake was secret and sinister and still lord ejaculated jasper standing on the cliff then well they won't find that for a couple of years anyway he turned to the suitcases squatting beside them he took from one the wig and black garments of john holt he stripped put on the clothes of john and packed those of jasper in the bag with the cases and the motor license plates he walked towards rosebank keeping in various groves of maples and willows till he was within half a mile of the town he reached the stone house at the end of the willow walk and sneaked in the back way 
he burned jasper holt's clothes in the grate melted down the license plates in the stove and between two rocks he smashed jasper's expensive watch and fountain pen into an unpleasant mass of junk which he dropped into the cistern for rainwater the silver head of the umbrella he scratched with a chisel till the engraved name was indistinguishable he unlocked a section of the bookcase and taking a number of packages of bills in denominations of one five ten and twenty dollars from one of the suitcases he packed them into those empty candy boxes which on the shelves looked so much like books as he stored them he counted the bills they came to ninety seven thousand five hundred and thirty five dollars the two suitcases were new there were no distinguishing marks on them but taking them out to the kitchen he kicked them rubbed them with lumps of blacking raveled their edges and cut their sides till they gave the appearance of having been long and badly used in travelling he took them upstairs and tossed them up into the low attic in his bedroom he undressed calmly once he laughed i despise those pretentious fools bank officers and cops i'm beyond their fool law no one can catch me it would take me myself to do that he got into bed with a vexed hang it he mused i suppose john would pray no matter how chilly the floor was he got out of bed and from the inscrutable lord of the universe he sought forgiveness not for jasper holt but for the denominations who lacked the true faith of soul hope fraternity he returned to bed and slept till the middle of the morning lying with his arms behind his head a smile on his face thus did jasper holt without the mysterious pangs of death yet cease to exist and thus did john holt come into being not merely as an apparition glimpsed on sunday and wednesday evenings but as a being living twenty-four hours a day seven days a week End of part two of the willow walk by sinclair lewis